Well, folks, Shaw, Jerry Adams, Arish, because Tassel Gumgo will shipsha Gumoy. I hope you've all recovered from St. Patrick's Day, rather strange way of uh, celebrating it. No parades, no uh, getting together for a wee Jorine. Uh, although, good news from across. The USA with the Irish American lobby for Irish unity, taking out those uh, advertisements and making sure that the unity of our people and our island was on the agenda during the St. Patrick's Day celebrations in North America. And I like St. Patrick's Day. I always like to raise a glass on this special day to all the Paddies and Patricias, the Podricks and the Podrigines in my life. And chief among these is my oldest brother, Paddy, and our Uncle Paddy. Uncle Paddy died on St. Patrick's Day in 1984. He had just called to see me in the Royal Hospital where I was recovering from gunshot wounds. He left me a few pounds and went off with a shamrock proudly displayed on his lapel, only to be back a few hours later in the emergency department, injured after a fall. Uncle Paddy was a great man, far also by when my brother Paddy was shot and seriously injured by the British Army during the attack on Joe MacDonald's funeral, our Uncle Paddy lay down on his own in front of a British Army vehicle in St Agnes's Drive to block its passage. So as usual, last St. Patrick's Day, I raised a wee glass in his honour and memory. And I'm sure my brother Paddy did the same, even though COVID restrictions prevented us from doing it together. But this too shall pass. So even though St. Patrick's Day is gone to absent friends and to the Irish everywhere, la fela. Padraig fwy waisha dibsia. Ta an taru eg chapt. And maybe just on that note, you will have picked up on the new Lurgas book about Kathleen Thompson. Up the Republic, she raised the battle cry, available from on Aishog or from www.sinfeinbookshop.com. So maybe we'll have another wee rendition from Kathleen in honour of my Uncle Paddy and my older brother Paddy. So here is Song of the Dawn for Brighter Days Coming. Oh, 
Talking of brighter days, they were just coming to the end of Shakhtan Nagilga, which is the biggest celebration of the Irish language and culture in the world. And it's a not-for-profit organisation set up by Conra Nagilga with the aim of promoting the use of the Irish language in Ireland and overseas. It used to run for one week, but became so popular that it's extended and now it runs annually from March the 1st to March the 17th. So it's just Kreknaha, Kapla Lehenta Ohin. There were over 30,000 events held in Ireland and across the globe, with an estimated three quarters of a million people participating. And Shakhtan Nagelga normally embraces language, music, dance, sport, and increasingly, because of the restrictions imposed by the pandemic, increasingly events on social media. You know, people have had to think outside the box and imagine uh, new ways on which to celebrate and promote Irish language and culture. One of the things I always find interesting about Shakhtar and the Gilga is that on RTE particularly, now there's rarely a word of Gilga heard on any of the current affairs programmes or news programmes on the BBC or UTV, although the BBC is supposed to be a public service broadcaster. But one of the things I find a bit disconcerting is that during Shockton the Gilga, on the news and on, with the continuity presenters and on current affairs, they will all say they're a couple of fuckle. And then, like, you know, it was bringing out your best dress or your best suit and then putting it back into the wardrobe again. Because when Shockton the Gale goes over, then the Gale goes ceases. So that that has never sat well with me. I, I'm still learning Irish. I tell me, but every single day, every single day, I'm conversing in Irish with my... Gar Feisty with my grandchildren, with my friends, with my family members, with my neighbours. And that's what needs to happen. We need just to use the language, even the little bit that we have, to use it consistently. And that goes also for those who present programmes, particularly of uh, public interest, on the media. And the the notion of social media have been enlisted in this and of storytellers and uh, musicians coming forward and singing in Gielga or doing Irish language classes through Gielga and and involving children in, in the different Gael Skullina. All of that is uh, really, really to be applauded. And I particularly, I've always had, I talked about my Uncle Paddy earlier on. My Uncle Paddy used to have two books, Joyce's Place Names, green hardback books, and I'd love to get them. And he enkindled in me a love of, he and Sean Dynan, a love of local place names and all that goes with it. And, you know, when, when you think of uh, all of the beautiful names in, in the Irish language uh, 
which actually means something to the people who live there. And hopefully we can, we can start to reclaim that and, 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 and use. We, we do it anyway in our sort of uh, anglified uh, way or Ulster Scots way or Hiberno-English way when we, when we talk about Malone or we talk about Belfast even. We talk about the Lagan, we talk about uh, Enslaved Do, we talk about all these different uh, places. So let's do our very, very best to use this in every occasion that we can. And, and just use what we have. I mean, there's been a renaissance of the Irish language in the North. And you can see that through the growth of the Irish medium education. According to the Department of Education, there are now 29 Irish medium schools and a further 10 Irish medium units attached to English medium schools. And of the 29 schools, 28 are primary and one is post-primary, college to Of the 10 Irish medium units attached to the English medium host schools, seven are primary and three are post-primary. And in addition to these, Gale School Nadaroga in Derry City is an independent school teaching through the medium of Irish. So all of this points up the need for Act Nagelga. And the revisions for this were part of the new decade, new approach agreement reached last year. So the First Minister, and I, I watched her uh, on the television in the chamber at Stormont, clearly committing to bring forward the package of identity and cultural pieces agreed as part of the new decade approach agreement by the end of this mandate. So notwithstanding the challenges presented by the COVID pandemic and the outworkings of Brexit, a child of the DUP, and notwithstanding that the executive was challenged with the pandemic in particular, there needs to be progress on Act Nagelga. Act Nagelga needs to become law, as the First Minister said, before the Assembly ends in a year's time. So over to you, Arlene. Na habare. Don't talk about it. Jane. Do it. Na habare. Jane. Don't talk about it, Arlene. Do it. Let a hole. And finally, I want to bring your attention to 6,000 Days, a new book authored by Jazz McCann. And Jazz McCann writes very, very well. The writer is quickly drawn into his world. From the opening sentence of his prologue, Jazz paints the sights and sounds, the emotions, the shocks, the excitement, the sadness, the smells, and the savage brutality and amazing horrors of his 6,000 days of incarceration, mostly in the hate blocks of Long Cash. He makes us witness to the incredible courage also, to the vision, the commitment, the solidarity, the idealism, the generosity, the contrariness, the anger, quirkiness, and native humour, the stubbornness and the comradeship of the political prisoners. 
Jazz's book, 6,000 Days, is an important and significant contribution to the history of the Irish penal experience. It's in line with Jeremiah O'Donovan Ross's classic prison life or Irish rebels in English prisons and other historical penal narratives. Now, I have long had a view that we Republicans need to write our own histories and others should do so as well. That includes from the union's point of view or even in this case a prison officer's point of view. And then when you, when you set all these narratives down, you get the weave, the fabric of our collective history side by side, as lived in cities or rural Ireland by women, by workers, by the poor, by combatants, by victims, and in this case, by our political prisoners. And that setting of the narratives side by side becomes a shared history. Now, embracing this and learning of the experience of others may not remove our disagreement with them, but it will help us to understand and hopefully learn to live with a greater tolerance for difference and maybe an appreciation of how much we have in common. Pat McGee, another former Republican combatant, has bravely tackled some of this in his memoir, Where Grieving Begins. But this important factor aside, they're still in its own right, an onus on us to tell our own story. Otherwise, somebody else will try to write it for us. Jazz McCann has taken up this challenge. In his understated but graphically honest way, he has shared his story with us. We should be grateful to him. I defy anyone who betrayed the blanket men or the Armagh women as criminals to read 6,000 Days without being moved by what happened in the hate blocks of Long Cash in the five years leading up to the summer of 1981 and the second hunger strike. The past, of course, has never passed. Yes, it's gone, but it endures into the present. Until we agree our future, it will always be difficult to agree about our past. The past is contested because the future is contested. This is the 40th anniversary of the 1981 hunger strikes. Those of us who supported the prisoners, in this case the Armagh women and the blanket men, have our view of what happened at that time and why. Jazz McCann has provided everyone with a highly personal account of what that meant to him, of what was done to him and what he did during his 17 years in prison, including five years on the blanket protest. No words of mine can convey the awfulness of life on the blanket. I did consider reproducing extracts of Jazz's words to give a sense of this to you, but that may spoil the book or part of it. To do it justice, you have to read 6,000 days. I appeal to anyone remotely interested in this period, whatever your opinion, to invest in a copy and to read it. Finally, as someone who was close to the hunger strikers and who remains in awe of them, I've always been conscious of the fact that 10 men died. Every one of them, including Frank Stagg and Michael Gahan, who died on hunger strike in England, and their families deserve our admiration and respect, and the respect and admiration of anyone who admires courage. Bobby Sands was a leader in every conceivable way and the first to die. 
And for that reason, sometimes Bobby may appear to overshadow the others, particularly in the media or the popular mind. Bobby certainly wouldn't want that. He was first among equals. So I was very moved about how Jazz lovingly describes his relationship with Joe MacDonald, who died after 61 days on the stalk. I am sure other prisoners could write in the same way of the other lads who died and those who survived. It's only right that every hunger striker and his family are remembered as Jazz remembers Joe and his clan. Gurumai Ogat Jazz. Your stories of Joe MacDonald made me cry. How lucky are we who knew Bobby and Joe, Francie and Martin, Tom and Patsy, Mickey and Kevin, Raymond and Kieran. They were our golden generation of leaders and fighters, poets and patriots, yes, rakers and messers, ordinary folks, ordinary men, but extraordinary human beings. Jazz's book and the tales he tells reminds me of a line from a Bran Moore song. When all is said and done, you know freedom is won by those crappies who would not lie down, by those crappies who would not lie down. So thank you, Jazz. Thanks also to the McCann family, especially your parents and Marion. And Jazz's book will be available. It actually ran out of its first print run, but there's a second print run ready very soon will be available from an Ashog and that can be contacted via its Facebook. So, Shane, that's me for this week. Please stay safe in the time ahead and I'll leave you with another little bit by Kathleen and because most of this, with the exception of the bit about the Armagh women, has been about men. We'll finish off with, from the Legion of the Rear Guard, a tribute to Kathleen. That's Kathleen Thompson. Slan Liv, Karja, Chiefy Mae Shibsha, Amor Orovsha. The Marshal tramp is heard from Cart to Donegal. Tone and Emmet guide us, though your task be
the cave. Through father ballad, a sleep and peace she brave. Comrade, chat lightly, you 